0: Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Jerome Maldonado. Jerome, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Jeffrey, thank you. Appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Absolutely. So kick it off, to our listeners who you are and where you're from.
1: So my name is Jerome Maldonado, and I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, it's where I call home and, and rest my head. Um, we do business all over the country. And, um, you know, I, um, I was born and raised here, left for many years, and now I'm, I've been back for the last 20. And so... It's where I'm raising my kids and this is where we call, this is the place we call home.
0: Amazing. No place like home. No. So what got you into the real estate industry?
1: I actually got involved in real estate by accident. I rode the uh, the business roller coaster and through the means of direct sales and network marketing, which we have very, very similar backgrounds um, in that regards, as we just spoke about, um, we, the FTC gave us some challenges in 1997 and I found myself Um, up in San Antonio, Texas, and I needed to come back home, finish my degree while I was in this interim time. And I landed up starting a construction company. And because we had rode that roller coaster in business, Jeffrey, I thought to myself, you know, I just want to have something that I own that I can show for my money. I'm not like a car or anything like that. I wanted something tangible and um, something that I can go back and say, okay, I have an asset. And so, I bought a rental house, you know, because that's all I really knew about real estate. And um, that's how I really got started is by buying one rental home. And uh, a few months later, I bought a second one. And that was the entry to my real estate endeavor that has turned into and perlay to what it is today with those two little rental homes I bought my first year um, investing back in 1998.
0: That's awesome. And you know, one or two is all it takes. You start to see the, the cash flow and the equity increase over the years. And it's pretty inspiring. I mean, to have one or two and then not go deeper into real estate investment, I think is pretty rare. So that's awesome. And this podcast is really about action items for success it all boils down to the actions you take on a daily basis, in my opinion, and I've seen through my experience that those actions then compound over time to a massive goal accomplished. So you know, what's the single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success?
1: Keeping open-minded to change, um, Jeffrey, has been the biggest pivotal point to my success. You know, like I bought those two rental homes and I didn't care for the single-family rental business. And um, I didn't see fast enough. I Like every young 20-some-odd-year-old, um, you're always looking to do things quicker, right? And none of us are patient at that age, or at least most of us don't seem to be, and at least I wasn't. And so the pivots and changes is what really got me to where I am today, because I landed up buying a commercial building, selling off those those rental homes. And I knew that there was something about real estate in that tangible asset that was was something that I wanted to be a part of because I wanted to have that asset holding. And when I got into the commercial space, it was a home run for me even on the first building. And so that ability to pivot and make changes in spite of a my first likes or dislike in everything that I've done um, is really what's allowed me to be able to be successful in everything that I'm doing and being consistent at it over the course of a long period of time. Mm,
0: great point. Great point. And the adaptation to change is, is so key. Nowadays, it seems like you are empowering the everyday person, the average Joe, to be a part of real estate investment. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, it is. You know, it, it's been life changing for us as a family. It's been life changing for me as an individual. And I've seen people, friends, colleagues, my brother in law, just a lot of different people that have utilized real estate as a means to make their life easier. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of different scenarios. You know, perfect example is my brother in law, who has been kind of piggybacking some of what we've been doing for many, many years. And they were able to pay off their home at a very young age through a little bit of fix and flips that they have done. He got experience doing little acquisitions and now through a nonprofit that he's uh, the director of, they're doing developments and he's the one that spearheads them and it's making the the philanthropy part of what, um, we've taught him in, in development and real estate, work for other people. And then we've had successful students come out of our program that um, were working nominal jobs or just doing dibble dabble stuff and like fix and flips. And we've been able to get them on a path where they're able to produce um, passive income through the means of multi-unit real estate. And so, yeah, you know, I, I know that the average person, if they just have any type of um, aspirations to do real estate, they just need the right direction because it's so broad. As you know, you know, real estate has such a broad area of spectrums that you can go into. If you can get kind of honed in and just kind of show them the directions of what's worked for us over the years and eliminate the things that are less profitable, more problematic. Um, the average person can get involved and have extreme results that are life-changing. Um, and that's what I love about it is they're truly life-changing results, Jeffrey.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It really is a game changer when you start to get some coaching and you start driving around, looking at the whole world differently because we're surrounded mm-hmm. by buildings, right? We're surrounded by buildings every day and there's opportunity everywhere. But until you open your eyes to it, it's like before I was blind and now I can see. It's yeah. it's so interesting.
1: You know, when you're a kid, you ever, like we drive by buildings in, in real estate every day and you never stop to consider who owns them, right? Like right. you drive into the grocery store and that building is owned by somebody or some entity that's owned by somebody. You go into a big office building someplace where you go visit your doctor or somebody in that building is owned by somebody and you never stop to think about it. You just think that like the world just plopped it down there and you just like to get (laughs) to enjoy it, right? Uh, Not knowing that behind every building and every piece of real estate is an owner. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the mass conglomerate of real estate buildings out there, there is, is trillions of dollars in real estate sitting out there. And all you have to do is pick up a small sliver. You know, it's amazing, Jeffrey. I look at the acquisitions that we have now and I go, okay, I have like three major projects on our books for this year and a couple smaller ones. And just those little tiny projects in the mass majority of this world accumulates to almost $60 million on our books for this year. And I just sit back and you can't help but think, wow, you know, uh, when you talk about a number as, as big as $60 million, it sounds um. It sounds like this astronomical number that most people can't comprehend, right? And then I look at the amount of, of, uh, of acquisitions we have and I go, we're a peanut in a big world, right? With all this opportunity. And if people realize that if they just took their small little peanut sector of it on their own, they can just have a life-changing results, like I said earlier. And it's just incredible what it can do for you.
0: Absolutely. The, the market cap in real estate is so big. You could take a fraction of a percent and be very wealthy. <laughs> yeah. And you can go so niche and, and so hyper-focused on a particular aspect of, you know, if you're talking commercial real estate, there's like eight main sectors, you could go multifamily and then you could go a specific unit set of multifamily in your area, no less, and still yeah. have so much opportunity. It's, it's crazy. So it's very inspiring to me as well. And, you know, being in kind of the similar product set, I am curious, how are you sourcing deals? Nowadays, you know, for acquisitions and is it brokers that are coming across your your desk that you've developed relationships with, saying, "Hey, look at this deal, look at this deal," or like how are you coming across the deals that you're acquiring?
1: So I'm a little different than most people, Jeffrey. So in 1998, I started a little construction company, just pouring concrete. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were pouring cement every single day. Um, we still, I still own that company today. It's been a very affluent part of our of our business and um, a big piece of our success. And um, I'll tell you that. Um, because I got into construction in early years, I started buying land and building and building homes back in like 2000. And we've built hundreds of homes now. And I tried fix and flips, I did all that stuff. And I just never understood it because there was such a small profit margin in fix and flips compared to buying land and just building out houses. And so I could go in in the areas that I was fix and flipping, like in Arizona and New Mexico, um, we did some stuff in Texas, my margins were always between like $30 and $60,000 and by the time i bought the home tore it apart renovated it relisted it and sold it it took me almost the same amount of time as it did to buy land and build a house and the difference was that sometimes i opened up those walls and my $60,000 profit went down to $40,000 and it took me 4 months to turn this whole deal around and i was making like $40,000 in 4 months it's like 10 grand a month where i can go out and buy dirt and build a house and make over $100,000. And I, could, I was doing 120-day builds when I first started. So it's taking four to five months, full turnkey on building houses. And so I was thinking, okay, $40,000 to $50,000 in profit, tons of variables that fluctuated my profit margin, or Do I just go out and buy land and build houses and I know my variables? And do it right. And now, you know, we we have a business model now that we make between $100,000 and $170,000 on each single family home that we build. So way more profitable, way less variables. And so what we've done in in the multifamily is we've done exactly that. We take that money, we deploy it into multifamily real estate. And Jeffrey, one of the biggest things right now that America is in need of is affordable housing. And there's not enough of it. And so when you talk about this national crisis where there's not enough rooftops and we need over almost 7 million rooftops just to afford what we have in our current need, and American builders are only producing 1.25 million a year, that tells me that there's mass opportunity to develop rooftops. And so we have to do it in a way where we're developing affordable rooftops. So we look for more of distressed assets that we can tear down and level, or we just look for raw land and we're building it and I've had like Grant Cardone, these guys, they'll argue this fact with me and I don't care, hands down, I'll I'll win this argument 100% of the time because they sit back and they go, I can just buy this asset. And if I buy this asset, it starts cash flowing from day one. And yes, it starts cash flowing, but you're buying assets at a sub sub 5% cap rate now. And then even if you can raise it to a 10% or 12% cap rate over the course of the next year to two years, you have to think about it in regards to you have a change in inventory of tenants of five percent every month. Okay, so ten months you get about fifty percent. So you maybe get sixty percent turn of uh, of rents in one year. Okay, well it takes me one year to do entitlements for a project. Jeffrey. So if you hear me out here, you'll understand why my concept works. Because even if they raise rents $250 and everybody drive that thing up to a 10%, 12% cap rate, it's going to take a year and a half to two years to turn all those rents up. Because in the middle of someone's contract, you can't just go to them and say, hey, I need two more $100 a month or $150 more a month in rent. You got to wait for their contract to expire. Then when they do renewals, that's how you increase rents on on multifamily real estate. So it takes Mm -hmm. a year and a half to two years to get the rents back up. Well, in that year and a half to two years that the most people are taking to take it from a sub 5% cap rate up to a 10% cap rate, 8% cap rate, or whatever that cap rate turns out to be, it's still inferior to what we can, we can do with new construction. So I can go buy land. And even if it takes me a full year to get entitlements, my civil engineering, my building permits, all of my uh, structural stuff, my city approvals, and then I turn dirt and it takes me, let's say, because I can build a full apartment complex in nine months, you know, 140 units. Um, let's say it takes me a full year—that's two years. I walk into those things, I strip out all the amenities, I strip out the pools, I strip out all the, the gyms, I strip out the elevators, and I build a simple product. And they go up in less than a year. And in two years, I'm at a 40% cap rate. I have 40% debt to income ratio on that thing, if not better. We've done—we've stabilized those things at 50% debt to income ratio. And we just kill it. We'll go and build a $16 million building that I'm all into that thing for under $8 million, all done. And so now a lot of people think they can't do that. I'm not even doing it myself as a GC anymore. A general contractor, I'm doing it where I'm hiring general contractors and we manage the projects.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so there, there is a method to what we do. And so that's how we're finding our inventories. We're creating inventory. We're not, we're not out there hmm. chasing it. And our profits are substantially greater so if you look at some of the deals i have on the books right now like my phoenix metro project what i'm doing down in tacoma washington and what we're getting ready to do down in palm springs i was mentioning you that's the business model right there
0: got it and coming from the construction background that's something that you're not afraid of i feel like a lot of of professionals that get into real estate they focus on the investment of the sales side very few are doing the development comparatively to the the massive amount of realtors or real estate professionals and real estate investors that are in each market. And when you come from a construction background, you're not afraid to go look at a piece of land that hasn't even been zoned. And, and you just say, no, I'll work with the city. I'll get this work. You know, I'll get this done because so many haven't done that, that they just don't even want, they only want to worry about it. Right. They just, all right. Hey, next door, there's this existing property that's kind of more in my wheelhouse. I feel like that's how a lot of people think. So because of your experience and your ability to just go to a piece of land and create inventory, that's a huge competitive advantage. I love that.
1: It is. And you know, the way we do it is very safe. You know, a lot of people ask, you know, like we just closed on our Phoenix Metro project yesterday and we've been working on this thing for the last 10 months and everybody sits back and they go, you don't even own the deal yet. And say, no, we, we don't own it, but we control it. And the way we we control it is we go in and we buy a lot of stuff on options to buy, or we tie it up with contingencies based on our due diligence, our due diligence being our ability to develop the property, get the zoning and, and all the pre-development stuff taken care of. And so, if we feel like at some point in time, it's not going to work, we just dust our hands off and we walk away. And we usually have interim times of going uh, non-refundable on our earnest money. So there's, there's ways that we do this that people can learn. It's not that hard to learn. It's just that most people, when they get that, that mental block, they don't push forward with it. And my whole thing, Jeffrey, is there's people say, are you afraid to create competition? And my thoughts are, my God, we can't humanly possibly fulfill the need nationwide that we have right now today, by the time we fulfill that need, we're going to be even more indebted to needing more inventory in two, three, five years from now. So my answer to that is no, I'm not afraid of competition because the America needs this. This is, it's a, it's a housing crisis that we need to fulfill and we need more help. So if we can get more people, make getting wealthy doing it, it's a win-win situation. You can get wealthy giving back to America with what we need most. And that's rooftops,
0: you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Great points. And I, I love the forecast as well, two to five years out and considering competition and, and training competition or creating your own competition. Yeah. I've, I've had that same question about an online course that I created about building your own real estate marketing agency and doing it right and being successful with it. And uh, a lot of coworkers and their colleagues in the industry would say, aren't you creating your own competition? and i said well there are 1.5 million real estate professionals on just the residential side between us and canada and most of them are really struggling with digital stuff i still believe that the real estate professional is a is a key part of the overall transaction and and it shouldn't all go to the big big box companies that are trying to enter the space that don't have as much local knowledge and and so with that mission, I said, no, I want to empower hundred thousand realtors with technology. And with my marketing agency, you know, really, we focus on the top 1%, but what about everyone else? Right. And so I created this, this online platform that they can then go learn that. And yeah, very similar reaction. From my competitors, like, aren't you creating your own competition? I'm like, there's so much abundance and so many people need help. It doesn't matter. Right. And, you know, once we achieve that goal, then we'll, you know, we'll we'll talk. But I see the same thing. It's like, it's evolving so quickly. And housing is even, you know, on the people that need houses and the affordability side, that's, I think, even more important. So with that, I'm curious where you see things in the next, I don't know. Five to ten years, you know. What are your What are your predictions? You, you know, you, you mentioned the the shortages of housing. Yeah. Do you have any any macroeconomic ideas of, of what might be happening? I mean, no one has a crystal ball, but I, I like to get this type of insight uh, as far as yeah. you know bills being passed, um, ten thirty one exchange potentially being taken away by Biden. Um, just certain things that are kind of in the mix. You know what, what's going on here.
1: So. Like my stock and investment guy told me years ago, Dave, we're we're really good friends. And he said, look, Jerome, uh, when 2008 hit and people were going into mass hysteria about the financial market, I didn't pull my stocks or anything. And he goes, you know, Jerome... Big corporations don't make decisions on their 15-year projections, 10-year projections based on political figures, presidencies, and stuff like that. He goes, they make their projections based on their business model. And he goes, that's Mm. how we as individuals should go out and make our our projections is on a business model, not based on political standpoints. Now, those those stuff do affect you. And there's differences and things that you have to pivot towards. And so you have to pay attention to them. Um, on for your day-to-day business, but you shouldn't set your long-term projections based on them, because where those bills came from and where they may have an expiration date, new bills will be passed, and there'll be new bills with new expiration dates. You know, for for sake of example, you know our country is set up. Um, where we have you know, two parties, the Republican and the Democrat, doesn't matter what you believe in, both parties own real estate. And it's one of the largest asset holdings of, of Americans across the board, Democrats and Republicans. And yes, I, I think that Biden um, has turned a lot of what Trump has done upside down in regards to us real estate investors. And obviously, as real estate investors, we're interested in having somebody's going to advocate for us, right So whether you like Trump, don't like Trump, I, I loved it because it benefited us on a tax basis right there was mm-hmm. uh, all these uh, depreciation uh, bonuses that were implemented in 2018 which if you're in, in real estate doing multi-million dollar deals, you shouldn't be paying any taxes based on just the tax bonuses on commercial real estate since 2018 and you should have a depreciated amount of of taxes you should be paying all the way to 2025 based on uh, the uh, depreciation bonuses so there's those type of bills that are implemented it'll expire in 2025 but there's a lot of advantageous tax advantages for real estate investors um the 1031 exchange is it's it's up for attack Whether that'll happen, I hope not. But, um, you know, it's one of the number one um, tax advantages that we have as real estate investors to offset our capital gains taxes. Um, So God willing, you know, that one won't go away. But you can still depreciate. There's accelerated depreciation. There's a lot of other tax advantages loopholes out there where real estate professionals could take advantage of them and i i foresee that in the future as presidencies change which you know god willing we'll keep that balance of republican democrat variances in there and we'll see more bills come to the table as some of the bills get taken away from us um, like they have this year and uh, well, you just have to learn how to exercise them. So again, to my point, you got to learn how to pivot with the industry and continue to make changes if you want to be successful in it, because it doesn't matter who's in presidency. Um, what I worry about more is, is having the information so I can exercise a strategy to implement. And so that's my biggest thing. Now, as far as the long-term future, um, you know, like I said, in my professional career, I'll do this the rest of my life. but. When I look at like real my hard push, you know I want to be done with my hard push in another seven to eight years from now, because there's there's a life out there with my kids and their their greater years that I want to enjoy with them. But I just look at it and say the mass need for affordable housing isn't going away anytime soon. So I don't mm-hmm. care if we have a market adjustment, Jeffrey. If you can weather a small storm in the real estate market, you'll get by, and um, it's just a matter of not getting yourself over leveraged, investing wisely. And and so I believe that over the next decade, um, we're still going to see a housing shortage. And um, if the people that can position themselves to take advantage of profiting from from being able to build out this housing shortage, I think are going to be the ones that get the wealthiest and where they're going to see the greatest opportunity. So we don't like in houses just to give people a little golden nugget here. I don't go in and I don't create affordable housing and houses because the average home is about $350,000. And if you take that that acquisition price of $350,000, if I bought land and built that house out, uh, my profitability is too small to make it worth my time. When I can just go up to an asset class between $400,000 and $650,000 and build something in that asset class and makes over six figures per unit, why would I go down to three hundred and fifty? dollars So my philosophy is Let's leave that job to like the DR Hortons. Let's leave that job to the Toll Brothers, to the LGI Homes, all the big publicly traded, big box builders out there. Let those guys do mass volume. That's their business model. Let them create that interim. And then we create the houses that go just above that. And what that does is it takes people that are sitting in these $350,000, $400,000 homes that the average American can afford. And it get, allows them to be able as they mature to upgrade to our homes gives them a place to live and then mm-hmm. it opens up more houses in the uh, median sector for first time home buyers to come in and move into and that's how we we create inventory right because if those buyers are taking up that inventory it doesn't leave anything for the first time home buyers and so we just create a market sector where people can upgrade to and allows them in and then we take that money we deploy it and um, we take the tax advantages being able to deploy that capital into multi-unit real estate and then we create a solution to the long-term housing problems that we have and that's the whole thing that's where i think we're going to be in uh in five ten years from now i think if people can adapt to this business model today there's so much opportunity in it that they're going to be able to ride this way for at least a decade if not longer because it's not going to go away today tomorrow next year or even five years from now this is going to take some time to be able to resolve the housing crisis and the shortage that we're in right now.
0: Absolutely. It's like you said, if you can ride that wave and put yourself in a position to to profit from that and also help a lot of people, then you're going to be very wealthy over the next five, 10 years. So great suggestions. And I'm curious if there's a question that I should have asked you or, you know, anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier.
1: You know, I think one of the biggest things is there's listeners that come on to the show, Jeffrey, and, and this is true in every sector of business, real estate, whatever it is. And there's this limiting belief that they don't have the ability to do it. In fact, you know, I get a pit in my stomach sometimes when I'm taking on big projects, and it's one of those pits in my stomachs that I alleviate quickly. And so, I think there's a, a level of inferiority that each one of us individually have that um, feels that we have limitations that we feel inadequate to be able to do stuff like you and I are talking about, um, because. Like your story, you know, going out at, a, at such a young age and just killing it in a company like Cutco knives. Like everybody knows what Cutco knives are out there, right? And you sit back and they know it's a door-to-door business model. And you go in, you sit down, you do your presentation, you sell um, the Cutco knives. We've had we've had uh, young kids and professionals come in and do that with us, and we've bought. I own Cutco knives, and you know, and I respect the industry because that's how even in network marketing, when I was really broke, I would go door to door and sell water filters. Um, when I, I was trying to just make gas money to get to an event or something back in the early nineties. And so I think people think that we just like plop here and you just go, okay, well that person got lucky. And I'm, and, and there's always a little bit of a, a little tiny bit of luck involved in anything in business and life. Um, but the true reality is we started from someplace and that someplace is typically almost nothing. And through a lot of hard work, a lot of ups and downs, it's feasible. Like I hate misleading people and, and making them think that it's easy because it's not, but it's doable by anybody, you know? And I tell people if someone like myself would come from, you know, where I came from, which is, I don't want to say nothing. because that's an insult to my parents. Um, my parents work hard, but from a good middle-class family and who didn't have any type of knowing knowledge of entrepreneurship, business, real estate, any of that stuff. And over the course of time, I unfolded little key components that helped me help me get to where I am today. I know that if people are willing to, to stay focused and put in the time, I, I want people to understand that this has been a 26-year road for me and that they can do it too. And the biggest thing is I had excitement through the entire process. Jeffrey, I had a lot of little wins. We've been doing well for a lot of years. And so there's a lot of happy um, medians in the process of this, along with the heartaches. There's a lot of happy medians in there and a lot of enjoyable parts of life. But to get here to the hundreds, to millions of dollars in acquisitions, it takes a journey of life to get you here. And there's a lot of people that can get where I'm at a lot quicker if they just start implementing today and stop looking for a shortcut. You know, So I just want to let people know that it's very feasible. And now mm-hmm. in social media, it's right at your fingertips. You can get too much information, too quick in so many ways, so.
0: Awesome, great advice, really appreciate that. And it is so true. I mean, if you focus, get some coaching, which by the way, tons of amazing professionals like Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, a lot of them are giving out advice online for free every day. I mean, if, if you just go seek it out and become teachable and put in the work, sky's the limit. I'm a big believer in that. So how can listeners contact you?
1: So I'm, I'm real easy to find, just like you said, there's a lot of information out there. I'll tell you guys, you guys need to go look at my YouTube channel. Um, we've been building this out for the last like nine months. We don't get yeah. nearly enough views for the information that I'm giving away for free, just like you said, because Grant Cardone doesn't have anything on me. I'll go, <laughs> go head ahead with that boy any day of the week. Grant, I'll, I'll call him out any day of the week because I'll tell you that Grant has nothing on me other than a few years in time. That's it. I love it. And so I'm biting at his tail right now. I'm biting at his tail. love you, Buggy. Have my kids are leaving. So I'll tell you, Yeah, I'm buying it as tail. And, um, you know, I'm right behind him. The information is all there. And if if you guys want th- that type of information, just look for Jerome Maldonado. We're going to put it in the chat. I know we'll put the link in there. So my name will be um, in the podcast as well. If you go to YouTube, just Google my name. I'm all over Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, all the platforms. But the best information is on our YouTube channel. Or you can go to Instagram. It's Jerome Maldonado in the number one. Real easy to find. Same photos on all the channels, and like Jeffrey said, there's so much good information out there. There's just not enough people that are gravitating to it. So we need you guys help on uh, creating a solution for this uh, housing crisis. And if you want to learn how to do it, I'm more than happy to teach people.
0: Amazing. And past that, I mean, you can then accomplish your own dreams, right? If if you're out yeah. there, and you know, you you might be in the real estate industry or not, and you're you're coming across this podcast right now you can have an incredible life with just a couple of deals. I mean, you're really like one deal away from changing your life. So definitely check out Jerome's YouTube, subscribe, listen to all of the things that he has to say, because I think this has been a phenomenal interview. Really appreciate your time. And, you know, in in sake of, of honoring that time commitment, we will wrap it up for today. Jerome Maldonado, everyone, go check him out online. Appreciate having you.
1: Jeffrey, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show.